Good morning, friends, and welcome to another glorious day in God's creation. I'm John Kowalski, and this is Rise Up, a Christian podcast dealing with life's issues. Uh, I guess whether you're a, a Christian or not a Christian, uh, some of these ideas and, and ways of handling the life's issues uh, can certainly be beneficial. Uh, but I do use uh, biblical principles to help us through these different issues. Today, I would like to talk about something near and dear to our hearts, uh, and that's mentoring. Um, mentoring is, is an amazing goal an amazing thing to do for people. And we do it sometimes without even realizing that we're doing it. And sometimes we do it intentionally. Um, We didn't automatically change our ideas or think different ways throughout our our lives um, without the intervention of mentors. Most of us need that kind of help uh, at some point or another, right? We don't automatically know how to do things. We don't automatically know how to think a certain way. We learn it, right? First from our parents and then from many others. Um, we need examples, relationships, hands-on experience, support and empowering uh, to grow in our lives, whether whether Christian or not Christian, biblical or not biblical. Um, we need those types of relationships in our lives. Um, In Christian theology, the Holy Spirit is that mentor, right? Uh, That creates transformation and change in our lives uh, and helps us to grow as we learn within the body of Christ. Um, Albert Calhoun gives uh, the example of Barnabas as a believer who risked mentoring what she refers to as a wild card named Paul. Um, Barnabas's investment in Paul reached farther than any of them, either of them could have imagined, right? Paul's teaching life helped shape the early church, right? He mentored Timothy and um, Apollos and Titus and so many others, right? Um, Throughout church history, people have been shaped and guided by mentors and teachers. Uh, Gregory, who lived in A.D. 213 to 270, wrote of his teacher, Origen, uh, he stimulated us by the acts he performed more than by the theories he taught. Less obvious, but more important, was the fellowship with this man. Where I was blind, he guided me. He taught me the truth concerning the world. It was like a spark dropping into my inmost soul and catching fire there. Um, That was from Bruce Shelley's uh, Church History in Plain Language, um, quoting Gregory. Uh, Albert Calhoun identifies a few uh, things that, that describe mentors, that define mentors. First of all, godly mentors help people grow. Uh, but not just in the ways of the world. They provide spiritual formation, biblical worldview, 
uh, a glimpse at the standards of God through his word and the incarnation of Christ, uh, and hope in the future due solely to the sacrificial action of Jesus on the cross. Uh, they believe in others. They recognize raw, raw potential and willingness to be taught. Mentors uh, often see more in their mentees' gifts than the mentee does. Um, number two, mentoring does not need to be simply a professional and structured enterprise. Uh, parents obviously mentor their children in skills and behaviors. Teachers mentor their students. Students and friends mentor each other. Uh, when they have skills that they want to share or learn. Um, more matured married couples can mentor younger married couples and older parents can mentor younger parents. Um, and then number three, uh, mentoring is, past, is passing on what you have to give. It does not require you to be responsible for more than you know. You can't teach something you don't know. Uh, in that case, you would find a mentor to teach you what you don't know. Um, few of us remember, you know, the last five award winners, the, the last five even champions. Um, we don't remember who won the Nobel or Pulitzer Prizes each year. Uh, but what we remember uh, is those mentors in our lives who believed in us and equipped us to become more than we could have simply on our own. Uh, I have had many mentors in my life who had, have had memorable impact. Uh, I won't go into great detail about all of them, obviously, uh, for lack of time, but I will acknowledge some of them in uh, the contribution that they made to who I am. My mother, Diane, taught me sacrifice. I'm not sure she ever did very much where she didn't consider our best interests before her own. Uh, my father, Richard, taught me work ethic. He taught me that work was good uh, and that serving others, specifically family, was a gift to both him and us. Uh, he also taught me that fatherhood could be more than just blood relationships. Uh, he married my mother, who came with two rambunctious young boys uh, at the time. Uh, statistics say that this familiar, familial situation uh, can be a huge risk for mental and physical abuse in children. Um, the National Institute of Health and the National Center for Biotechnology Information um, in an article called The Effects of Family Structure on Mental Health of Children, a preliminary study, uh, said emotional and behavioral problems occur in families disrupted by divorce uh, than compared to other types of disruptions. For example, death of a parent. Uh, certain characteristics have been identified in caregivers as well as the children themselves that serve as risk factors for abuse. Young age, depression, substance abuse, poverty, and history of mothers being separated from their own mothers during childhood serve as risk factors. Similar risk factors are also seen in male caregivers with unrelated male partner present at the home, acting as an additional risk factor. Some 30% of children are expected to be living with unrelated surrogate father. Studies have also found 
that the presence of a step parent increases the risk of being abused by a staggering factor of 20 to 40 times. In contrast to living with single mothers, where the risk was about 14 times compared to uh, living in a biologically intact family. So as you can see, the more separated or broken the home gets, the more chance there is for abuse, in, uh, whether mental or physical. Um, my father never exhibited these tendencies. I never once felt like less than a son. When I joined the military much later, I was assigned to a supervisor who taught me gratitude. Uh, Phil Perzianowski led with love. He taught with care and he lived with joy. He still does. Uh, even through the hard times, Phil was never angry at the challenges. He simply, he was simply grateful for the blessings of his, in his life. When I left the military, I was fortunate to work under a manager who taught me ser servant leadership long before I knew what it really meant. Marty Burns taught me to encourage my people to grow beyond me, to never hold them back. He taught me that I should always be working to train my replacement. He taught me to share accolades and accept blame when talking with superiors. Within two years, I was promoted and became his peer. Uh, his mentorship didn't end there. He helped me through growing pains as I learned the new job. Uh, more recently, I've been mentored by the pastoral team at Bridgewood Church. Uh, they apparently saw something in us uh, that we had not yet realized. Uh, Pastor Sue drew us out of our shells, inviting us to learn more about Bridgewood, God, and the Bible in growth classes. She knew that we had hearts to teach, so she invited us to do so. She seemed to know that what we needed at various times in our growth and pulled us in to meet the needs of the church at the same time. Uh, pastor John inspired us with his humility and steady growth as a pastor. Uh, pastor Darren inspired us with his testimony of leaving behind the corporate world to pastor people. Pastor Dallas inspired us with his enthusiasm that perfectly suits him to next-gen ministry. Uh, pastors uh, Kurt and Christy are the perfect lead pastors. Uh, Kurt is steady and knowledgeable and passionate about God the Bible, and salvation of anyone God sends to his care. Christy is all heart and love. She channels her passion for the world into encouragement and confidence for whoever she is mentoring at that moment. Uh, I've never left a conversation with either of them without feeling the desire to run through a wall for Jesus and the confidence that I could. Uh, so many people have fed into my life. They're too numerable to mention here. Um, but I would be completely remiss if I didn't mention two more people who have had a tremendous impact on my life. Ken and Jan Penrose, my in-laws. Uh, I've watched them over the years mentoring their children and grandchildren and anyone else who will listen. It has truly been a blessing to me and Wendy to have their example in our lives and their companionship on our faith, faith walk. Uh, I'm going to take a brief break. And uh, then I'm going to go through some reflection questions from this week's topic on mentorship. Be right back. All right, guys, I'm back. The thing I love about these um, devotionals uh, that Albert Calhoun put together in this book is that they force us to do the work. Not force, I guess that's maybe a bad 
They encourage us to do the work throughout the week. Um, It's all set up to lead you through uh, the material in such a way that it forces you to reflect on your life and what you're doing right and maybe what you can do to improve your way of thinking or appreciation for what's going on in your life that the busyness and the chaos of your life can force you to miss. So uh, that said, let's talk about some of those reflection questions on mentoring. Uh, The first one, reflect on the kind of person you want to be at age 30, 50, and 80. Uh, Obviously, she's much younger than I am because 30 and 50 have uh, uh, are long since gone. But uh, I can only really affect the person I will be at 80 at this point, Uh, although that's quite a ways down the road. Um, I do remember a little bit about what I was like when I was 30. I really felt like I had it all under control, right? I didn't need God. Everything that was important to me was in my power to have or control. Uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, I was so lost that I had no idea how lost I was. Uh, At 50, I had been humbled by life. Uh, And though my past hubris cost me much, uh, it was the greatest blessing I could have imagined uh, at that time. By finally realizing that I needed God, that I needed the sacrificial grace of Jesus, that I needed the counsel of the Holy Spirit, I became alive again. If I do make it to 80, I pray that I will have found a way to reach all of the people that I had failed in my 30s and 40s. I hope that I can be a mentor to younger people seeking to avoid some of the pitfalls of life that I fell into headfirst due to pride and disobedience. I hope to be surrounded by grandkids whose parents did a better job than I did at equipping them with the truth of the Word of God. I hope that I'm still active in the church, giving my time and experience uh, to the benefit of the body of Christ until I'm called home to be at Jesus' side. Number two, who, who do you know that is an example of where you want to head? There are so many examples of this type, and I mentioned a bunch of them in the intro uh, to this, uh, that provide selfless service in and around my life today. Our pastoral team at Bridgewood Church are all great examples. Um, my parents, family members, they provide great examples. Uh, our church, though, has connected with us with some great ministries that are doing kingdom work here and abroad. I want to find a way to impact as many of these organizations as possible. Uh, I'll name a few of them now, but please do not consider this list comprehensive. There are so many groups out there doing God's work uh, that deserve uh, accolades and attention uh, to their work. Jay and Maggie Dunn at House of Providence are changing the lives of kids lost by the foster care system. Um, Kevin and Kayam Weaver uh, helm the warrior's journey. Uh, Ben and Rachel Peterson uh, at Engage Your Destiny. Uh, Those two organizations work with um, the military, uh, which is dear to my heart. Uh, Dan and Rachel Smither at Key of Hope in Durban, South Africa, uh, are doing amazing work uh, in South Africa, but also 
have plans to expand that further around the world uh, to help children and families not only get the basics of life, um, but the gospel. Uh, and then finally, right here at home, Shiloh and Rachel Christie, who lead the Fuji ministry, uh, feeding and providing for the needs of people in our own local communities. Um, the next question, what are you doing now to become the person that you long to be? I'd like to think that the majority of what Wendy and I do each week is for the purpose of learning God's plan for our lives and being obedient to that plan. Wendy and I read the Bible every day. We do devotionals like these, Bible studies, life groups, and we serve at the church. Um, we've begun mentoring at House of Providence uh, over the last month, uh, and I have to admit it's been a huge blessing in our lives. Uh, we pray every day for our girl, and we spend the week anxious in anxious anticipation of our next time together. Uh, to reconnect with youth in an effort to relate better with our mentee uh, as well. Uh, we will be teaching 5th to 7th graders on Sundays starting next week. Um, we've done some training and we're ready to get started. Uh, and we've been volunteering at youth services on Wednesdays, which um, we're fully immersing ourselves in equipping the young in the body of Christ to prepare them for the relentless onslaught of the world and culture that is in their near future. Um, I, I can't even express to you how much blessing it has brought to our lives to spend time with these young people. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, if you get a chance to try it for yourself, uh, do it. I guarantee you will not be sorry. Uh, number four. How has the presence of someone in your life enabled you to do something you could have never done on your own? Before I met Wendy, I was a Christian, but I had little understanding of what that really meant. I believed in God, Jesus, the gospel, and I went to church, but I had no personal relationship with God. Using the parable of the sower, uh, I was probably the seed planted in the shallow soil, fast-blooming, uh, but due to lack of roots, I would likely wither. Uh, since I met Wendy, I've had a partner in faith. We study together, search together, pray together, and serve together. Uh, in the time we have been together, I learned to talk to God and recognize his answers in my life. I'm still learning to discern his calling and patiently await his timing. That's the hardest part for me. Uh, but every day is progress. Having a partner in faith, a spouse, spouse who is equally yoked, is a blessing that repeats every day in small and huge ways. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-15 speaks to this, stating, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? This doesn't mean that we should sever all ties with the unbelieving world. Our example, our friendship, and our love may be their only glimpse into the kingdom of God. You should, however, keep your inner circle tight and faithful. The church, life groups, and mentors you surround yourself with can provide fuel and respite in seasons of challenge and storm as they have for me.
So let me just be clear. My wife is the presence, the someone in my life that enabled me to do things I could have never done on my own. Everything I've accomplished in these last seven or eight years uh, has been with the full support and backing uh, and sometimes pushing uh, when I needed it of Wendy Kowalski. Number five, is there something you wanted to do and nobody believed you could? How did that affect you? If you've ever watched the TV show, How I Met Your Mother, you're familiar with a character named Barney Stinson. Barney had issues with pride, but he had a tagline that I could relate to. When any, whenever anyone told him he couldn't do something, he would pl- reply, challenge accepted. In many cases, he was being manipulated into doing things he wouldn't ordinarily do. Uh, and sometimes they just wanted to see him fail to get knocked down a peg or two. Uh, I'm that way to an extent. If you tell me I can't do something, I will likely try just to prove you wrong. Uh, what I've learned as I've gotten older is that this whole strategy uh, or a whole ideal ideology is a pride trap. Uh, the question we should ask when challenged in this way is, who am I doing this for? Uh, if you're the only beneficiary of the action, then your time is better spent doing something else. Uh, that said, think through the possible beneficiaries thoroughly. For example, going to the gym, eating right, and staying healthy seems like a personal choice that benefits only you. I would argue that your health affects those around you. Your wife, kids, church, friends, even strangers can be affected positively by your continued presence in their life. Uh, On the other hand, if you're choosing to go to the gym instead of church, you have turned a good thing into an idol and may need to rethink your priorities. Number six, how does being competitive affect your ability to mentor others? Uh, I used to be highly competitive. I loved sports, though my genetic makeup meant I would never realize the dream of all boys uh, and play professional sports. Uh, I played softball well into adulthood, but eventually gave that up. Uh, In my 40s, I was well overweight when I decided to change my lifestyle. The gym provided a competition with myself that fed that desire while it was improving my health. Uh, As I pursued my degree, I had to give a lot of that up as well, um, although grades did provide a different kind of personal competition. Since graduating, I've been very focused on God's will in my life. Wendy and I spend most of our free time serving, leading, studying, and yes, even mentoring. Uh, I think the years of competitive athletics and academics have only enhanced my ability to lead. Competition put mentors in my life who I would have missed out on otherwise, coaches and leaders and teammates uh, that fed into my life and lifted me up at times when I really needed it. Number seven, uh, when have you empowered another person to succeed, grow, or develop? Um, My greatest hope in doing these podcasts and blogs is that the words that are given to me are useful to someone in their faith walk. I may never know the results of my ministry in this world, but I am content to learn about any successes I had in the next. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 states, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To accomplish the goal of empowering another, Wendy and I have become begun mentoring a 10-year-old girl. Uh, I can't give details for legal reasons, but suffice it to say that she's a strong, intelligent, beautiful young lady who just needs hope in her life. We struggle through the week, anxious to see her again. Her smile and her laugh are the only reward that we need. Though I would argue that we are as blessed by this relationship as we hope she is. Uh, Albert Calhoun suggests that we ask a couple of things. First, what was it like for you to empower another person to succeed? Um, Being in a position to empower her, uh, our mentee, is a gift to both of us. Wendy and I have been blessed beyond measure in our lives. We have even benefited from our storms and our battles. When we take the time to look back at them objectively, nothing short of our salvation has given us more joy than serving God through this mentoring relationship. Uh, And then Calhoun uh, asks us to consider what it might be like for the other person. I can only guess what she must be thinking. The last time we visited, she said she couldn't sleep in anticipation of our visit. Uh, She woke up early and did all of her chores and met us at the door when we arrived. We were elated that she felt that level of connection with us and the trust to share those feelings. Uh, We will continue to pray for her every day and trust God with the future. I'm going to take one more quick break and then I'm going to go through some spiritual exercises uh, with mentoring that you might find useful. Be right back. All right, guys, I'm back uh, for our last segment. We're going to talk about spiritual exercises. Um, First, uh, take a mentor review. Think back over your life, writing down the names of those who have believed in you and mentored you. What happened to you because of their presence in your life? Uh, Write them a letter even, telling them what they meant to you. Uh, I think I covered this one pretty well for you already early on in in this podcast, Uh, but I would encourage you to do the same. Journal it out even. Uh, Seek them out. Send them a thank you note for their impacts on your life. Number two, pay it forward. Think over your job and the colleagues you work with. Who, who needs somebody to believe in them or mentor them? Uh, ask the Lord if he intends for you to mentor this person. Offer to be their mentor uh, for the next year. Uh, tell God that you want that job, right? And then just start doing it. They don't even have to know that you're doing it. Uh, just do it. I promise you that despite the fact that you were never in it to gain anything, or shouldn't be, uh, the mentor relationship will bless you as it is blessing the person that you're mentoring. Uh, Number three, ask God to give you his heart for others and their transformation. Then pay attention to the mentoring nudge the Holy Spirit gives. Take the initiative to help somebody to grow. At youth service this past week, Pastor Dallas talked about Esther. As the secretly Jewish wife of the Persian king Xerxes, she was in a unique position to try to prevent the extermination of her people. Mordecai, Esther's uncle and mentor, 
advised her in Esther 4, 12 through 14, and they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love that scripture and I love that statement for such a time as this. Um, He's encouraging Esther to use her position to help her people. And that if she doesn't, somebody else will rise up and do it. But her family will suffer for it. For not being obedient in that moment. Um, so where are you asked to step forward for such a time as this? Consider that and act on it. Number four, where do you feel stuck spiritually? Who could help you? Sometimes the mentoring relationship is needed by you and not to be provided by you. Um, If you need help in an area of your life, seek out a mentor to get you through that area, whether it's a pastor or a friend or a companion or, you know, a co-worker, uh, seek them out and try to work your way through that issue, whether it's a spirituality issue or it's a work issue, doesn't matter. You need to work through it. You need to solve it. Um, Otherwise, it'll become a bigger problem in your life. Um, Number five, if you're an older married couple, take on a newly married couple and share your lives with them. We have the benefit of our uh, in-laws, Wendy's parents, who we get to share life with uh, at least most of the year. uh, And even so when they're uh, in their Florida home. Uh, If you're young at heart, find some young people to share your heart with. Help them to learn from the lessons that you earned uh, through more difficult measures. Uh, If you're gifted at hospitality, tutor somebody who's not. If you're gifted in prayer, become a prayer partner partner for someone who isn't. Uh, Pass on the gift of you to another. Remember, you don't have to offer something spiritual, just offer who you are and what you know. And both you and the person you're offering it to will benefit. Number six asks, what keeps you from mentoring another person? Talk to God about your hesitations. Pray about it. Find out what's holding you back and then work through it. Remember, like Esther, if you choose not to step up, God's will will be done anyway, but by someone else. There are some great resources on mentoring. Uh, A couple of them are uh, A Resilient Life by Gordon MacDonald, and Finding a Spiritual Friend by Timothy Jones. Um, I'm going to end this uh, podcast here. I think uh, you get the idea on mentoring. Mentoring is about community, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. And uh, it's about creating a support structure around yourself uh, that includes yourself, right? Your support structure intertwines with the support structure of the next person and the next person and the next person. Uh, And that's what makes it 
stronger and stronger as we go. So what you're good at, they may not be good at, and you can help them through it. And what you're struggling with, they're good at, and they can help you through it and lift you up. Um, I pray that we all find mentors and act as mentors to others who need it. Until next time, rise up. Thank you.